a major project or a, a simple service request is going to be executed in a, in a sensible time frame. But then we also absolutely want to be at the cutting edge of um, taking this emerging disruptive technology like cloud or AI, big data, and exploiting that. So that's absolutely where we want to be. And that gives huge utility in terms of the type of offerings that we can we can take to market in the future. Welcome to Cloud Realities, a conversation show about what cloud-driven transformation really means for businesses and humans. I'm Dave Chapman. And I'm Shao Kazal. And this week we'll be talking about digital and cloud transformation in one of the most complex and highly regulated industries, defense. So what are the challenges? How can the latest cloud tools help deal with them? And what value can be delivered? Joining us this week is Gareth Hetheridge, IT Director at Leonardo, a key player in aerospace defense and security. Gareth is leading all the digital transformation at Leonardo across the business, including products and services. And as I said, doing this in a sector where security and confidential are of critical concern. Gareth, thanks so much for being with us today. How are you? And tell us a a little bit about yourself. Hello. Uh, yeah, great to be here. Uh, Gareth Hatherich. So, so I lead the, the IT and digital function for Leonardo UK. And that's both in terms of delivering the, the core IT services and foundational services, uh, enabling the business transformation within our divisions and supporting their digital transformations, but also on an increasing basis, helping some of our users develop their products and services and closing the gap between IT and OT. One of my key challenges is how do we take technology like cloud, which is mature in many other different industries, and, and how do we ensure that we can utilize it in defense for the opportunity it gives, but within the uh, the security wrapper that we, we operate in. Within. And in defense, what are, what are some of the elements of that wrapper that you need to be specifically aware of when you're thinking about doing new technologies like cloud? So for me... The uh, wider than defense, we are operating in an environment where the cyber threat is is high and it's becoming more sophisticated and the, and the threat isn't going away. Um, you could probably say that for, for all industries. But in particular within defense, with the classifications of data we use, there is a national security uh, element to protecting the data of which we are managing. And there are very diff- different classifications. And some of those mean that the technology you need to use has to be air-gapped type networks. Um, what it's challenging to do is to give as good a user experience as you can have in a commercial setting, mm. but have that in various different security classifications within defense. And some of those, it's, relative, it's easier than others, but certainly as you go higher up the tiers, the user experience can drop off quite significantly, which gives us a real people challenge. So maybe talk about those tiers. What are the tiers and how, as you go up them, do the sort of experience challenges kick in? So most of the work we'll operate in defense will be a bit official sensitive. And that is commensurate with very good commercial controls. So that that does open the opportunity for us to go and use uh, public cloud environments, but they have to be, uh, there's a number of challenges to achieve that. So certainly around sovereignty, we need to ensure it's, uh, in our case, a a UK uh, pinned environment that support is UK only, the data doesn't leave the UK. Uh, and that can be quite challenging from a cloud point of view because often mm-hmm. the operating model can be more of a follow the sun. So that sovereignty point is, is absolutely key. Also, what we're finding is the products in which we would like to operate, um, be that collaboration product, 
are moving more to be cloud native. And therefore, delivering those on a secure on-premise environment is has some limiting factors, uh, which is a real challenge for us. Indeed. And, and, and let's just take a step back and, and talk about the defense industry itself. Tell us a little about what Leonardo does and how does it operate within the wider defense context? So if I start with defense more generally, the, the exciting challenge defense has is it has that security challenge that I talk about. But major programs, we have to exploit and utilize digital technology like cloud um, to be able to drive the programs we want to at the pace we, we, we need to. So if you take uh, Tempest as an example, which uh, gets a lot of press in the market, that is our next generation combat air platform. It will go live and first fly in 2035. And that program needs to deliver better, faster, cheaper than previous uh, platforms. So we're talking about broadly 50% faster than previous combat air platforms. Right. Now, one of the key ways in which we can do that is the use of digital technology hmm. uh, for collaboration, both in the UK and internationally, but also in terms of our digital engineering to bring the products and refine the products at a much faster pace than we have done with previous combat air platforms that are flying with us today. So the ambition in defense is very, very significant. What we need to do is bring this emerging technology, AI, cloud, for example, some of our big data analytics, and be able to do those in defense programs to therefore enable our organization to collaborate better, uh, both UK and internationally, but also to be able to iterate faster in the engineering space and therefore produce the the combat platform uh, at pace. Leonardo itself has a number of key constituent parts. So we in Yeovil, we have our helicopters division that provide uh, a number of uh, helicopter platforms. And critically there, we build the whole helicopter effectively. So it is all done through, lo- through life, is all done in, uh, in Yeovil. Uh, our electronics business produces a number of radar and electronic warfare uh, technology. So a sensors business effectively. But that is a fascinating area for anyone in the IT space because they are effectively very, very large edge devices that collect a huge amount of data. And therefore, the opportunity yeah, to right. converge the IT and the OT space is quite significant. I mean, talk about hyperscale edge when you're talking Absolutely. about something like that. Absolutely. Mega. So there is a, a fascinating opportunity for us in, in the data space and how do we close the, the gap between IT and OT. Um, and then finally, our cyber division where we sell a lot of uh, cyber consultancy and cyber services out to the market. Can you just tell us, Gareth, what you guys are working on? How does that connect to the MDI or multi-domain integration strategy that I think the MOD is talking about? So one of the the fascinating parts, I think, for for Leonardo is we operate across all five of those domains. So within the electronics business, we provide uh, sensors onto our uh, air, land and sea platforms. Uh, Certain helicopters is obviously a clear linkage to to air. Uh, We have a a large and growing cyber division, uh, and then we also have some utility within space. The exciting part in my role is how do we help uh, bring together data at the edge on those various different devices and provide an environment where we can start to using most likely mission cloud type platforms to be able to bring together data from all of those different sources uh, and then provide data analytics on top of that. So we can really p- become a, a learning organization and provide insight into our users in the organization, but also into ultimately to our customer. And what we're finding is that many of the techniques that we need to deploy for data analytics and some of the more complex side of that work, so data science and, and into some of the AI use cases, mm-hmm. the techniques in which we need to employ 
in the IT space are very, very similar in the OT space. So as a really basic example, uh, I have software engineers in my organization. Within electronics, we have a number of software engineers who will engineer onto, onto the radar system, for example. The process in which they go through, the type of skills we need, the DevSecOps pipelines we're starting to co-develop is very, very similar. So what we're finding is a real convergence of IT and OT, hmm. um, be that in the data analytics space or be that in the software development space. So I think Leonardo has a, a fascinating opportunity to provide these integrated sensors capabilities, uh, be that on the Tempest platform or be that on in wider use cases within multi-domain integration. Well, let's just talk about your IT setup that you have at the moment. So can you explain the IT organization and the digital transformation programs that you've got within Leonardo? Yes, absolutely. So the one of the benefits we have for Leonardo is a relatively small and agile organization. Uh, so I say relatively small, you know, we're a 2.2 billion uh, pound company, uh, about 8,000 users across the UK. But we are able to move at pace and we have demonstrated that this year. If I talk in the IT sense, we have delivered our accommodation environment platform uh, initially within four months from launch. Uh, that was um, that was pretty rapid implementation of capability uh, and we will be on cloud in in the not too distant future that cloud program will be six to seven months from inception to delivery um, and that's including production workloads so i think the leonardo digital opportunity is to be able to move at a faster pace um, than than many in, in the defense organization in terms of how our organize or my organization is set up i have a business partnering team that are out into the various parts of the division uh cto function then have our delivery team uh, within applications. We have in-sourced applications, so all of our applications and software development, uh, most of which we do in-house. Uh, and I think that will that will really start to pay dividends in the long term when we talk more about DevSecOps. Having the developers and the support engineers in-house, I think will will start to yeah. um, really drive a great opportunity. Uh, we have a platform and service ops team, uh, and then we have a business management team. The peripheral roles is we're bringing in a head of data analytics uh, to really drive the data governance, culture, and strategy, not just within IT, but also helping for 8,000 employees across Leonardo to really grow their digital acumen um, and the data culture. Um, and then in terms of business transformation programs, be that our helicopter transformation be that Future Factory, which is the big electronics business transformation. Myself and my leadership team have a, have a strong view, to, a strong supporting role uh, to enable their business transformation for them. Very good. So let's let's dig into the setup of your um, digital transformation program. I believe you've got five pillars. Yeah, absolutely. So the, initially we have our, our cybersecurity backbone. So this is all around our traditional foundational IT, our networks, our storage, our secure environments, which I touched upon earlier. You know, How do we ensure we deliver foundational technology at all classifications hmm. and certainly look to where we can utilize a more cloud uh, technology going forward? So that's our, our, our cyber backbone. A digital employee experience is all about our user. So how do we in, ensure that we provide them the collaboration tools, and the right client and the right service and touch points into IT to ensure that they can be as efficient as possible. So that's purely for employees. How do the customers of Leonardo come into it in terms of how you're thinking about their experiences? So that's certainly in terms of what we call our mastering innovation and products and services, which is very much the customer-facing element. How do we ensure that not just IT, but how do we help Leonardo face off to the customer in, in different ways? And certainly as we start growing our 
our investments in data, um, how we provide data marketplace type um, solutions so that those opportunities can be consumed is absolutely something we're, we're thinking about. Uh, so let's just go back through. Let's, let's talk about the data strategy that you have in place and the challenges that you have in driving out what I think is a core component of your digital transformation program. It is absolutely a core component. And, and out of the five pillars, so our digital employee experience, our cyber backbone, enabling biz, uh, business transformation and mastering innovation, the fifth one, data, is the one that really uh, cross-cuts all of those four. The challenge I think we have, or one of the main challenges that many have, is the approach around the, the heavy lifting on data. So the data classification, the data cataloging, um, those pieces of work and really driving the data governance. We have to be able to demonstrate value to the business. So if we can provide a, uh, a data dashboard, for example, and we can drive efficiencies into operations by giving the data they need at the fingertips of the users, that is really tangible. It's, it's very easy to see and it's very to see how, how it drives benefit. To do that at scale, you need to really invest in your data cataloging, um, for example. And I think that is a much more difficult benefit to drive and articulate the value of doing that and the value of that investment. So I think one of the biggest challenges on data is how do you get the balance between being able to put data and data products in the hands of the user, which is very tangible and very beneficial, but also doing the underpinning foundational heavy lifting that is required to enable that to be secure, highly governed, and also scaled uh, going forward. I, I certainly think the people and skills part of it is key. So for us to become a really mature data organization, we need to have 8,000 people in the organization who understand the benefits of data governance, data control, and data exploitation. So um, that is that is absolutely uh, a key challenge. I think the opportunities I touched on before is many of the way in which we're going about uh, addressing data is as applicable to the IT space as it is to the OT or the product space, which I think if we can get that right, opens up some fantastic opportunities going forward. Let's um, dig in a little bit to the cloud implementation. So maybe we could start off by telling us what you're sort of envisaging as the cloud exploit when you take a step back and look at the digital transformation program. So first step is to ensure we have a, uh, a secure and accredited cloud platform. Uh, we're using Microsoft yeah. Azure, but I think over time we would look to uh, grow that into, into AWS, uh, etc. So having our landing zone, which is classified to the right level, uh, but then ensuring that we have our production workloads and the first production workload we will have there will be our common data environment. So all of our data analytics uh, will be cloud-based. We will then look to migrate our applications from our on-premise environment across. We believe 20 to 30% roughly that we will have in a cloud-based environment going forward. Right. That, of course, may change as time goes on. Leaving the remaining on-prem or doing some retirement at the same time? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So... We've, we've already done what we call our, our, you know, the Gartner time assessment, tolerate, uh, invest, migrate, and eliminate. Uh, so we absolutely know which of the applications that we are uh, looking to retire or eliminate. Um, where we're focusing on is where do we want to lift and shift certain applications or where we, we want to re-architect before we migrate. Right. So we're absolutely in the planning stage of, of that. And what criteria are you applying to, to make some of those decisions? It's obviously like a key decision, isn't it, that most organizations go through about like how you categorize your applications and where you're going to take some lift and shift, you know, potentially some tech debt risk versus where you're going to modernize. So I'm interested in knowing how you're, how you're differentiating that. So I think 
what I probably would say is, is firstly is ensuring that we time the migration right. Uh, this is the start of the journey for us. So really understanding cloud operations is a fundamentally different way of working for some of our on-premise environments, albeit when I say on-premise, we're really talking private cloud and therefore the commercial models are, are not dissimilar. Hmm. There's a there's a learning aspect for, for our organization. So I think part of it is pacing ourselves to ensure that we fully understand and we have the right environment, we have the right organization, and we have the right people and skills to be able to operate cloud effectively before we go right. too fast. So I think the pacing of it is absolutely key. So I have considerations of business criticality of applications, hmm. uh, which of those applications are better suited uh, to be on a, a cloud-like environment. But I think the other area is not just the, the migration or the lift and shift of what we have today, but probably more exciting is the opportunity that cloud presents, uh, which we don't have today. So certainly some of the data analytics work, back to the data governance, you know, there are some fantastic tools on cloud to help us automate and drive and accelerate some of that data governance. Um, so I think the exciting bit for me is not just the migrating what we have today, but it's actually opening the door of new capabilities that we can't do today, yeah. but we will be able to do on public cloud. Absolutely. I'm interested in in your end state environment, which is effectively going to be a hybrid um, yes. cloud situation. How are you thinking about that? There's lots of definitions of hybrid cloud that can go at one end of the spectrum is really it's not a hybrid cloud, it's just traditional data center workloads running traditionally and then some cloud, but as an IT department, you have to manage both. All the way through to like a fully integrated platform, um, you know, on-prem and off-prem, swapping workloads, that kind of environment. Whereabouts on that scale are you and, and, and how did you manage to sort of find the right balance in all of that? So we're certainly working through some at the moment. The the aspiration is from from a user perspective to have pretty much a, a single front door um, because the user shouldn't really need to worry right. as long as the data is the right classification, is it an on-prem or off-prem? So you're going to have some sort of scripting handling where the workloads go and such like. Exactly. That's the intention. I think there's a level of maturity to get to, to exactly that point. Um, but yes, we, we want to be able to provide a, a catalog effectively to the user of different workloads, uh, and then we can provide the intelligence as where's the best way of executing that workload based upon a price point or based upon data classification or, or based upon um, the use case that that particular workload has. And let's dig into sovereignty a little bit. Have you found that the the tools that you needed and the environments that you needed were available in a way that's kind of helping you unlock the cloud? Or are there other elements to data classification and sovereignty that, that are currently unsupported that are sort of causing you some headaches? I would say it depends on the classification. So certainly at the lower classifications, I believe we are there now um, to be able to exploit that, that cloud technology. Hmm. The, there are a number of changes you need to make um, to ensure or constraints, limitations you need to make for the workloads we're talking about. Uh, so it isn't the same as a, a commercial offering of public cloud. We have to put a, a, a slightly different wrap around it, but, but that is absolutely feasible and, and we're in the process of doing that. Um, so I, I think historically we've, we've talked around this point for probably a number of years now and, and the maturity of the technology is there now for defense to consume it to that classification. The cloud journey is an interesting one from a leadership point of view in the, the security and probably some of the historic thinking about the security of cloud. 
do you mean by that the sort of the perceptions that people have the about perception, cloud security? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. there's a legacy perception that if it's in your data center and you can go and touch it, then it's secure. And if it's yeah. in the cloud, it's more difficult. Which, um, you know, that's been quite a journey to take people on. Uh, and I certainly think more recently, being able to have eyes on, have an enhanced monitoring um, is the important bit. And if that's in the cloud environment and actually you can, you have better integration with our cybersecurity tooling. You have, you can start using some of the cloud native cybersecurity tooling as well. Um, and you can start having enhanced monitoring. You actually get to the position where you say, um, we can probably see and hear our cloud environments maybe better than we can with some of our on-premise environments. So that shifting of that culture has been uh, has been really really important. I do think the the higher classifications is is a bit more difficult. And the big challenge we have there is the there isn't necessarily uh, the the appetite to invest in the technology at the higher classifications. And the challenge that gives our user base is due to the ongoing threat, whilst we can try and utilize some of this exciting technology at lower classifications, more work is going to some of the higher classifications. And while it's incredibly important is that we can provide an as close user experience, digital employee experience to people that are working at different classifications. Because you know there is a significant people and skills gap in the UK at the moment. Mm. We have to be able to provide a a very sensible offering to people to be able to operate at different classifications. So that, that's the real, I think, the biggest point we're wrestling with today is that balance between employee experience around security and around investment in the right technologies. From a data analytics perspective, how are you going to handle those higher classification documents or data? The approach should be the same. The issue is if the technology isn't mature enough, then we have to invest heavily to give a commensurate user experience and then we get into an affordability challenge. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when you when you look at the five pillars of your program, it's obviously a very comprehensive program within a within a challenging environment. What occurs to me is that your IT organization is going to have to sort of really respond to how to run this in future, how to operate these environments in future and actually go on the transformation journey itself. Have you got any perspectives at the moment about how you think it might impact your organization? Uh, yeah, lots of thoughts. And we've, throughout uh, 2022, we've invested in a, in a new IT operating model uh, to mm. help improve the way which, in which we deliver all IT services, but also help us pivot into that world of the, of the future. You know, certainly consuming more emerging and disruptive technologies like cloud, uh, mm. but also being able to ensure we can support the business in their growing transformation and their ambition. Right, absolutely. Um, so, so there's quite a lot of change there. What I would say is certainly many of the the, the organization that I've inherited in the last year, and, and this goes for both you know, new starters, be the graduates, apprentices, or people joining uh, a different point in their career, or many of those that have worked in Leonardo IT for 10, 20, 30 years, Actually, when we've given them access to the technology, we've unlocked them. And by that, I mean, give them the opportunity to grow and to flourish, given them the, the access to the training. The vast majority of them have relished that opportunity. Right. Um, and we're seeing people really accelerate and flourish when they can operate on you know, being an architect on the, on the cloud environment, for example. Um, they've got the right support network around them. They've got the right training. 
Uh, they've got the clear objectives of what they need to do, and they're working on something that's industry leading. And that is incredibly powerful for some of our users because you know it's exactly the work they want to be doing. I just want to bring our conversation to a bit of a conclusion for now then on what additional challenges you see. So obviously working in defense with the data regulationary challenges that Scott brings brings a whole initial set of sector-specific challenges. Do you have any others that you're losing sleep over? I would say I probably wrestle with the same challenges as, as most CIOs in, in any industry. The the cyber challenge is, is absolutely uh, there and not going away and it is certainly getting more sophisticated and, and the vectors aren't, aren't getting any easier. So that's definitely a worry. We have to balance the uh, the new technology with, with the cost base. So we need to con- continue demonstrating value back to the, uh, the business. Uh, we need to enable the transformation. So our divisions have some more than others, but a very, very ambitious um, transformation program. And, and that's largely being delivered by technology. So how we deliver that for them, but also how we help coach them in terms of the art of the possible, what technology can do for them, which ones, which are the the elements in the hype cycle that we should absolutely be investing in. And I'd say yeah. data and cloud are two of them. Always tricky reading those hype cycles, man. It is indeed. indeed. Yeah, there's always which, something. Which are the ones that you know we probably shouldn't invest in going forward? So that's yeah. a challenge. Yeah. I think the people and skills challenge is, is acute everywhere. Uh, defense has its specific challenges around asking people to work at different classifications, given it means mm. they can't. They can't work from cost to coffee with a with their laptop. You know that, right. that is a constraint, uh, and that limits the scope of, of the pool that, uh, that we can go for. But the flip side is we're doing some incredibly exciting work, and I think we can make offerings to our engineers that you can't do in other industries. So I think that's a real value of defence. And, and now, if never before, um, the the role of defence is very much front and centre in the national press. Uh, I think it's very obvious the value of, of defence uh, and the work that the defence industry does um, out to protecting uh, all of us in the UK. Shalk, what's trending this week? So every week I do some research on the recent tech trends and pick one I find interesting to share with you. And this week, unfortunately, I want to cover the massive layoffs and hiring freezes in the tech industry at this moment. So we see lots of technology companies that have been hit with global economic turbulence that is slowing down growth and leading to widespread layoffs. And according to TrueUp's tech layoff tracker, there have been around 11 138 rounds of layoffs at tech companies globally so far this year, which affects more than 182,000 people. I mean, it's dramatic numbers. What's going on underneath that, do you think? If we look at uh, the public statement that most companies have given around this, um, there are two prominent reasons. One is that they hired many employees during the pandemic Mm. when people spent most of their time online. And now you see that um, this is starting to fade and they move on and get back to their daily lives. Right. And secondly, inflation in the world has made uh, lots of brands also stop their spend in advertising. Right. It's a very difficult situation, of course. The world is facing increasingly difficult economic headwinds and tech is a sector that has grown 
hugely over the course of the last 10 years even. So I think it's also important to acknowledge that the spend going into tech is still on the increase. We are still seeing kind of huge growth in a lot of areas. But I think the market for tech consumption is still looking pretty buoyant, even if we're heading to an economically difficult couple of years, right? Yeah, that's true. The prediction is that the worldwide spending on IT uh, will continue to grow next year, especially in the cloud domain. The cloud itself is going to provide some of the tooling that helps consumer organizations actually deal with some of the cost-related challenges that they have. Yeah, that's true. And it also uh, gives the opportunity for organizations to use lots of innovative technologies and to actually do more with less and to use these innovative technologies without the need for huge upfront investments, for instance. Yeah, so a very difficult situation, but caused by, I think, very visible uh, world circumstances. And we hope that anybody impacted by it is okay and finds some new opportunity soon. We like to end the show by asking our guest, what are you excited about doing next? So, Gareth, what have you got coming up? Uh, so, outside of work, I'm certainly looking forward to the weekend with uh, my wife's away. So, I've got my uh, my two young boys I've got to entertain for uh, the next two days. So, uh, that's going to be entertaining for me. I, I think inside of work, the uh, whilst it is relentless and exhausting, the pace at which we're trying to operate at the moment in terms of the transformation, is um, is hugely exciting mm. uh, and every time you get a, a snippet of the change we're starting to make um it you know it makes it all worthwhile so for me is is continuing on our journey for the next few years and, and trying to drive at the pace we are and uh, and seeing the changes it's making to our uh, to our users which is great well it's i mean it's it's such an exciting time embarking on the sort of transformation you're embarking on and we uh, we wish you the best of luck as you start your journey into the foothills of that adventure thank you A huge thanks to our guest this week, Gareth. Thank you so much for being on the show. To our sound and editing wizard, Ben, and of course, to all of our listeners. We're on LinkedIn and Twitter, Dave Chapman and Xiao Kuzal. Feel free to follow or connect with us and let us know if you have any ideas for this show. And of course, if you haven't already done that, rate and subscribe to our podcast. See you in another reality next week. (laughs) 